Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast, a show created to be your go-to source for straightforward retirement advice. Best of all, it is presented in a language that you can understand. Are you ready for some straight talk on retirement planning without all the fluff? Well, you found the right podcast. Here's your host, certified financial planner, Greg Gonzalez. Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gonzalez. My goal for the podcast is to help you live a better life in retirement by giving you the tools and information you need in a language that you can understand. This is episode number 110, and this episode is called The Eight Great IRA Mistakes That We See Over and Over Again That Will Cost You Money If You Make Them. But on today's episode, we're going to talk specifically about these IRA mistakes. These are not social security mistakes or pension mistakes or Medicare claiming mistakes. These are IRA mistakes that we see over and over again. So if you own an IRA, whether it's a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, you'll want to tune in to today's episode and hopefully you can learn a little bit and avoid these eight great IRA mistakes. Now, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to remind listeners to send in your listener questions. You can do that by going to our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. At the bottom, it'll say, ask Greg a question. You can submit your question right there to the podcast. I'm always looking for questions for future content for future episodes. And I strategically use listener questions submitted from the website as well as client conversations and and client questions that I hear Monday through Friday from the clients that we work with in about 20 different states. What's neat about what I do for a living as a retirement planner is I do get to work with a lot of people in Missouri and Illinois because I'm based out of St. Louis, but the fact of the matter is, is people move upon retirement. Either they're moving to warmer weather or to be closer to family Some people want to buy an RV and do a lot of traveling in retirement. So with that being said, I get to work with people from across the country that have their own unique and personalized retirement goals and visions, and they're not just in the St. Louis area. So it's really, really fun. But I also get to talk to a lot of people about the issues that they're facing as they're working through retirement or towards retirement. And those are the issues, those are the concerns that I want to bring up on this podcast, the Retirement Made Easy podcast that I created about two years ago. So hopefully you can learn a lot if you're a new listener from this podcast. There's 109 past episodes that you can scroll back. Some of them you'll like, some of them won't apply to you, but find the ones that do. But hopefully there's some good information that you can take away from each episode that you listen to. And my goal really is to arm the listeners of this podcast with the information and the knowledge and the wisdom that they need to put a plan in place for a successful retirement. So check out the website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. You can listen to previous episodes, submit your listener questions at the bottom, and then there's a resources tab that's available for you free of charge. We have our three steps to a retirement planning process. Step number one is a blueprint to your dream retirement. Step number two, is it our budgeting tool to figure out how much that dream retirement is gonna cost you every month, every year? And then step number three is the retirement action plan. That is where you're putting together a game plan, a bulletproof retirement action plan. 
And that retirement action plan really makes retirement simple because it lays everything out. It shows you when is the optimal time to claim your social security? What rate of return do you need from your retirement accounts for your retirement to be successful? All those different questions that people have on their minds, that's what the retirement action plan solves for. It's kind of like going to the grocery store. You start with a grocery list. If you want to have a successful trip to the supermarket, getting all the groceries that you need, you plan ahead of time and you form that grocery list. That way you don't forget anything. So that's exactly what a retirement action plan will do for you. And that's step number three. Aside from that, you can check out my retirement secret sauce. That's on the website you can download. There's also a tax guide and a couple other things. In addition to that, we are offering a 30-minute retirement coaching session. So at the bottom where it says, ask Greg a question, if you're interested in that complimentary 30-minute retirement coaching session, just send me the message saying, how do I sign up for that 30-minute coaching session? All right, let's jump into today's episode, the eight great IRA mistakes. So mistake number one, and I see this all the time, typically when there's a couple, let's say a husband and wife, sometimes the husband will make a comment and say, well, my wife stayed at home and raised the kids, so she didn't have any earned income, any W-2 income, so therefore she could not contribute to an IRA or a Roth IRA, so all the retirement accounts are in my name. And this is a common misconception or misunderstanding. There is what's called a spousal IRA. So if for somebody over 50, for example, a couple, let's say the husband makes $14,000 a year, well, he's entitled to contribute $7,000 a year to his Roth IRA or IRA, and also his wife can set up a Roth IRA or an IRA and contribute $7,000 as well. And that's the beauty of what's called a spousal IRA. Even though his wife did not have earned income, but he had $14,000 of earned income, they could theoretically both set up a Roth IRA for $7,000 a piece, and his wife would benefit from the spousal IRA. So there's some spouses that are homemakers or don't work outside the home. Well, guess what? They still have that spousal IRA opportunity that a lot of people forget. Sometimes people think that both spouses have to have earned income to contribute to an IRA or a Roth IRA, and that's just not true. And it could be even as simple as, okay, maybe your spouse was laid off this year or last year. Well, guess what? As long as the other spouse has enough income, and by that I mean earned income, in this example I said the husband makes W-2 income of $14,000, then they can both do seven and seven. Seven in his Roth IRA, seven in his wife's spousal Roth IRA. So mistake number one is forgetting about the spousal IRA opportunity because it is huge. Mistake number two is when it comes to RMDs, which are required minimum distributions. For those of you not familiar with this term, once you turn 72, you have to start taking required minimum distributions, which are mandatory distributions from your 401k, Roth 401k, and traditional IRAs. Now, if someone has multiple 401ks, let's say they have three old 401ks from previous employers, they actually have to take an RMD from each different 401k. 
They can't combine them all together and take them from one different 401k. Each 401k is going to have their own amount of an RMD that the 72-year-old or older person has to take from each different 401k. However, the rules are different for IRAs. If somebody had three different IRAs, let's say the RMD was $1,000 a piece from each IRA, well, then you could take a $3,000 RMD distribution from one of those IRAs and not touch the other two. Or you could take $1,500 from one IRA and $1,500 from another IRA and not touch the other one. So IRAs have a lot more flexibility is when it comes to required minimum distributions once you turn 72. You really just have more flexibility and you can put a more strategic game plan together versus the 401ks. They are more black and white. Each 401k is going to have its own RMD and you have to take that amount from that particular 401k. The rules with taking RMDs from 401ks are very strict. You have to do it their way. The other thing I wanted to mention is if you have a Roth 401k, please, please, please roll this into a Roth IRA. That way you won't have to take required minimum distributions from that Roth IRA. But if you leave it in the Roth 401k, you will have to take mandatory distributions from that Roth 401k, even though they will be tax-free. So mistake number two was not understanding the RMD rules for IRAs versus 401ks because they are very different. IRA mistake number three is when somebody has a 401k or retirement plan that has company stock in it. And I'm actually working with a client right now that works for a Fortune 500 company and worked for another Fortune 500 company. So he actually has stock from in his 401k from his current employer and stock from his previous employer. And you want to be very careful that you don't roll this money over to an IRA upon separating from service or retiring from your company. There is a big tax savings, potential tax savings, if you do this correctly. And it, the term is called net unrealized appreciation. And it's a strategy where you don't roll that stock into your rollover IRA. You utilize the net unrealized appreciation and you'll actually pay capital gains on a part of that stock, that company stock that you own. So you want to be very, very careful and very diligent when you do this strategy. But don't roll company stock. If you can avoid it, try not to roll company stock over to a rollover IRA you could end up paying a lot, lot more money in taxes than you really need to. So mistake number three is when it comes to company stock in a 401k or other retirement plan. Maybe it's an ESOP. Talk to somebody like me that understands this net unrealized appreciation and don't automatically roll that company stock over into an IRA. That's mistake number three. And I see that for people who work for a company that has company stock publicly traded company stock. Mistake number four is very simple. I think it was Prudential that came out with a survey or a study that showed that of the IRAs that were out there in this survey, 31% of them did not have a beneficiary listed on the IRA. So what would happen in that scenario if you don't list 
a beneficiary on your IRA? Well, guess what? It goes to your estate and then it goes through probate and they have to read your will and there's a bunch of probate costs. And after that, there's going to be more taxes, probably any amount over $13,450. You know, you're looking at an estate tax, 37% plus possibly a 3.8% Medicare surtax. So IRAs are designed, if you list beneficiaries, they pass to your beneficiaries and that avoids probate. But if you don't put beneficiaries on an IRA, it goes to your estate, which then has to go through probate. So please, please, please don't be like that 31% of people that do not have beneficiaries listed on their IRA. I have had people that have looked me up and they have had mom or dad's IRA where mom or dad forgot to list them as a beneficiary. And guess what? They ended up inheriting mom or dad's IRA through probate. And believe me, it's a nightmare. You're paying more fees and taxes than you really need to. So please keep your IRA beneficiaries up to date. The other thing on a separate issue is I cannot tell you how many IRAs have ended up in the hands of an ex-spouse because somebody forgets to change the beneficiary on their IRAs and they still have their former spouse listed. Well, guess what? If that goes to court, the ex-spouse is going to get that money. There are many, many famous court cases where whoever is listed as a beneficiary of your IRA, that is who gets the money. And I can't help but think about all the kids that have been disinherited because someone forgets to, to remove their ex-spouse as their beneficiary on their IRA. So please keep those beneficiaries updated on your IRA. That's mistake number four. I know it's, it's very simple, but man, I have seen that countless times. IRA mistake number five is listing a trust as a beneficiary of an IRA. Not that you can't do it, not that it's ill-advised, but you've got to do it properly. It has to be the right type of trust. And the laws have changed with the SECURE Act now. If you inherit mom or dad's IRA, there's a 10-year rule, which means you've got 10 years to take distributions from that IRA. And at the end of the 10th year, the money has to be out of there. And that rule went into effect January 1st, 2020. So I think of all the people that may have an outdated trust listed as their beneficiary on their IRA. And this is kind of a complicated issue, but what really my big concern is that people's IRAs are going to be taxed at the trust tax rates instead of the individual tax rates. So the trust tax rates, anything above $13,450 is taxed at 37%, 37%. And not only that, if the trust is not written properly, if it's not the right type of trust, the money actually has to come out within five years. So that's really, really going to expedite the amount of taxes that are paid on your IRA when you're trying to get this money to the next generation, to friends, to family, to causes you're passionate about. So again, mistake number five is listing a trust as the beneficiary of your IRA. You want to be very, very careful and make sure it's the right type of trust. It should be a look-through trust. Mistake number six is Roth conversions. There are so many people that don't understand kind of the idea behind Roth conversions. 
and how to do them properly, that it ends up costing them a lot of money. For example, whenever you convert under 59 and a half, let's say you're 55, you convert $50,000 of your IRA. If you withhold taxes, any amount that you withhold taxes on that Roth conversion, you're going to pay a 10% penalty. But if you're under 59 and a half and you execute a Roth conversion, if you don't withhold taxes from that Roth conversion, if that full $50,000 goes from your IRA to your Roth IRA, there is no 10% early withdrawal penalty because you didn't withhold any money for taxes. So there's a lot of people that just give Uncle Sam a tip when they're doing this. Either they convert way too much money than they should have, or they withhold taxes on the Roth conversion, and it doesn't make sense because now they've got a 10% penalty that they're facing. So IRA mistake number six is not executing Roth conversions properly. IRA mistake number seven is contributing to either an IRA or a Roth IRA when you're not eligible to contribute. Maybe it's a Roth IRA. Well, maybe you make too much money to contribute to a Roth IRA. There's some people that don't know that there is an income cap. Same thing with IRAs. There's people that are ineligible to contribute to IRAs, maybe because they have a 401k through work or their income is above a certain amount of money. So you wanna make sure that you're eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, because of course there is a steep penalty for contributing to a Roth IRA or IRA when you're ineligible. The penalty is 6% for each year the excess amount remains in your IRA or Roth IRA. So again, if you're ineligible, you wanna know it, the sooner the better, so you don't have to give Uncle Sam a 6% tip. That is IRA mistake number seven, is contributing to an IRA or Roth IRA when you're actually ineligible to contribute. And last but not least, of the eight great IRA mistakes is number eight. And I see this all the time, doing what's called an indirect rollover of one's IRA. So by doing so, you're transferring from one IRA to another. Maybe it's a 401k rollover to an IRA. It's the same difference. I always recommend that people do a direct transfer or direct rollover. It goes from one custodian to another. That way, the money remains in the same registration. Let's say it's a 401k to a traditional rollover IRA, it all remains pre-tax. If you don't do it this way, there's what's called a indirect transfer or indirect rollover. By doing so, they send the money out of your IRA or from your IRA or 401k, send it to you, and then you're responsible within 60 days to get the money into the appropriate IRA. Well, what happens if you fail to get it in back into the IRA or Roth IRA within that 60 days? Guess what? You pay taxes on all that money. And if you're under 59 and a half, there's a 10% penalty on top of that. I've seen people that purchase a home and they take money out of their IRA to purchase the home while their current home is selling. And if you don't replace the money within 60 days, guess what? It's a taxable distribution. It's taxed as ordinary income. Plus, if you're under 59 and a half, 
there's a 10% penalty. So I see that a lot. A lot of people go and get a bridge loan in that example, instead of trying to take money out of your IRA and replace it within 60 days. So what's the solution for this? If you're doing a transfer or a rollover, we wanna make sure that you're doing a direct transfer or a direct rollover where the money is leaving the 401k and going directly to the rollover IRA. Or if it's a transfer, it's going from an IRA to another IRA. Typically it's at a different custodian, but this way it will never be a taxable event. The money never goes to your hands it goes from custodian to custodian as a direct transfer or a direct rollover. That is mistake number eight, is trying to do an indirect rollover and doing so properly. Because if you don't make it in that 60-day time frame, it becomes a big taxable event and potentially a 10% penalty. So I hope you've learned a lot from the great eight IRA mistakes on this episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast. Again, please submit your retirement questions to our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. We'll see you next week. And remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The Smart Vester program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor Smart Vester are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA, SIPC. Thank you for listening to the show today. Check us out at our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And if you want some help from Greg, submit your questions at the bottom of the page or sign up for a 30-minute retirement coaching session with Greg. We'll see you next week.